Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today, we have a need, a need for F-Zero. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast fluent in gaming. My name is Paul Romalo. With me today, out of Rhode Island, Arnaldo Perez. I have a need, Paul, and it's a need for rotating background <laughs> layers. <laughs> uh, out of the Netherlands, Jeff Ivatz. Hey, hi, guys. And out of the Bronx, Anthony Ariaga. But EX, dinner party suck. <laughs> oh, dude. So... Did they eventually serve the dinner? We finally had dinner, I would say, around 10.30. Oh, my God. Yeah. 10.30, man. Oh, But let me just say, God. it was an amazing meal. I just, it would have been even better at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, yes. my God. That's awesome. So, the couple you were having, or the people you were having, I don't even know if it's a couple, but the people you were having dinner with. So, just to backpedal here for a second, Anthony went to a dinner party that was akin to season four office episode, <laughs> uh, the dinner party. It was... So did things eventually calm down or what? Yeah, everything. it was just like this very um, passive aggressive air to things the entire day. <laughs> so, you know, like he would, uh, like his girlfriend would be like, hey, are you going to start doing this? And he was like, no. And then it was just silence. <laughs> <in> the <room. laughs> it was just like, and it was like I was telling Paul, I was like, you ever you ever go out with like another couple that's going through some stuff and you come home and your wife or your girlfriend's like, we're good, right? Like, <laughs> we're we're OK, right? That yeah, that was yeah. me when we got home at like one o'clock in the morning. Like, it's like, I, I don't know if we're good, but we're not that. So <laughs> I've had that uh, I've had that discussion after we watch a movie where a couple argues a lot and if they're really good actors it's like kind of uncomfortable right. <laughs> and so we'll finish watching the movie and i'll look at my wife and i'm like that's we're we're, we're good right we're, that's not us. <laughs> and she's like yeah yeah i was i was thinking the same thing okay good like good. the other i think it was last yeah last week um just flipping through channels on the tv and and um the the breakup was on with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Oh yeah. Oh dude. And yeah. That's one of those movies where you you can't stop watching it, but when you're watching it, you start to cringe because you're kind of like, yeah, don't do that, man. Don't, <laughs> no, get the lemons. Just get the fucking lemons. And it's not even the good kind of cringe, like watching the dinner party, for right? example, right? Like, yes, that one's too real. It's like this could happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that we're here necessarily to discuss dinner parties. That just kind of happened. Uh, we're actually here and very excited to be here because we're going to be talking about F-Zero. This is one of the fastest gaming franchises in history. I absolutely love it. But it's not so fast that we can't take a moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, don't forget, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend and uh, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars, please. Yeah. Uh, nothing would make us happier in these unprecedented times. One other thing, too, that I wanted to ask you guys about before we get to F-Zero. So I've got a little bit of a problem, and it's a problem that I touched on with Arnie during our Fire Emblem episode. And I need to know if 
you guys encounter the same thing. So I'm doing research on F0. And by the way, I thought if <laughs> I thought the research on F0, because it's not that many games, I thought it would be quick. No, Down no, it was not hole. quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like seven or eight pages later, I'm like, dear God, there's a lot to this game or this game <laughs> series anyway. So yeah, during the course of research, it turns out that the website that I checked the most and like more than Wikipedia, more than Moby Games or anything is eBay. <laughs> oh good. This this happened during Fire Emblem. It happens it happened during like Turbo Graphics a little bit less. I did the outline for that one. Yeah. But I already know all the values of those games like off by heart. So whatever. <laughs> but like good God, man, there's like when you're going over, when you're doing the research, there's so many references to other games and like these rare collectible rabbit holes to go down. Oh, yeah. And I just want to like, I just want to buy all of it. Like, yeah. Does that happen to you guys? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, for all sure. the time. And it's happened to God. me. We're doing a, we're doing a future episode that I'm writing an outline for right now. And one of the things that I always hate when it happens, it's like, I'll be reading an article about a game and then like towards the end, like flippantly, somebody will be like, oh yeah, and there's this like $10,000 gold, gold cartridge variant of this like obscure Japanese <laughs> game that existed. I'm like, well, I need to see it now. So like, I, I, of course, I spent like 30 <laughs> minutes just frantically Googling like gold cartridge X game, like show me this <laughs> and it'll invariably be like somebody's like shitty flip phone picture that they took in like 2001 <laughs> through like a stained glass window into like some like destroyed video game store like there it is oh my god i uh it must add at least like an hour or more to my total oh, yeah. research time is going over this stuff like for f0 first of all there are very ex- like there's a very expensive f-zero game out there we'll, we'll get to that later i'll leave you guys in suspense oh, yeah. as yes. to which one it is i think i think um, i know the one but yeah i think i prices. think you know too i think you yeah. know too but no no spoilers jeff <laughs> no, no um there's i don't okay so during the course of research eventually i got into this like nintendo e-reader rabbit hole because oh, yes. apparently yes. yeah i know right <laughs> First, first of all, I didn't even know that the, that this e-reader existed. It's this oh, accessory yeah. for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, um, yeah, I I didn't remember this at all, which is to say, I didn't know about it yeah. at all. There's a difference between remembering and being <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> so, so I'm like Nintendo e-reader, and so I start reading about it, and I'm reading about the F Zero ones and so on, and then it turns out that obviously, like, I'm going to then start looking up which e-reader cards are the most expensive ones of course. and apparently there was a promotional e3 e-reader pack of cards <laughs> that was distributed i think it was in 2002 and the kirby card Ooh. in that pack is the most expensive card so i obviously straight to ebay right <laughs> the the kirby card alone sold for well over 200 bucks jesus Ooh. christ <sighs> and that's just that's just the card and there's some guy selling the full unopened pack of cards, like the E3 promo cards. And the price that he's got on it, and I like, you know how it is with eBay, right? People just like, this is a million dollars, but make me an offer. <laughs> <laughs> and so this guy's selling it for $2,000 Canadian. Christ. 
So like, you know, 50 bucks American or whatever, right? <laughs> it's about right. But but I'm like, oh my God, like these these collectibles are just, they're out of control. Yeah, the control. only thing I remember about mm-hmm. the e-reader pack, because I had heard about it before, was for, I knew about it because of Mario 3 on Game Boy Advance. And you could get, I think you could get like extra levels with the e-reader packs. But it was, it was never like, this is how obsessed like we were with, even shitty technology back then is that like it's not like you scan a card and it's like oh here's your level it's like there's an entire pack of like seven or eight cards and you have to scan them all in order (laughs) because there's not enough data on each card to just have a whole level on it so you have to scan every single card for one level that's amazing (laughs) it reminds me of like the old computer punch cards like in late 60s you know (laughs) We we just I guess we just couldn't do better in 2002. <laughs> you know, it, it was what we had at the time. <laughs> I had the uh, barcode battler. Oh yeah, yes. and that was just finding any barcodes you had lying around the house and hoping it springs <laughs> a surprise. Uh, that was that's good great. Fun. Yeah, that technology I like though. Like I wish that was still around. <laughs> yeah, because all you do is scan like regular barcodes from all your household yeah products or whatever. You know oh, some. I wonder what would happen. Jeff, did you scan barcodes from video games? I think a lot of magazine barcodes. I, 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 I'd like to think I didn't cut out barcodes from boxes, but I probably <laughs> did. <laughs> did yeah. you Wait, did you have to cut them out or could you just scan them like from the, from the box itself? Well, you, you had to swipe them across, so it depends what kind of size they were and where they were yeah. on, the, on the item. Oh. It wasn't oh, a scan. It was like a, like a, like a, like a credit card swipe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. We didn't have scanning technology back then. That involved like lasers and stuff. Yeah. We were still working on the wheel. We used to have a <laughs> I remember like you would send away for stuff and you had to send away the proof of purchase and you'd oh, have to yeah, cut out yeah. the barcode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I um this all just reminds me of of Monster Rancher because I remember as a kid, like when I got Monster Rancher two, I think it was on the PlayStation. And it was like, Oh, how do I get new monsters? And it was like, Oh, open the disc tray and like put in a CD. And I was just like, first of all, can I like? I didn't know I could open the disc tray while like while a game was inside of it. Right? Thought, yeah, like, that was like a big no no. Like I was yeah. like, this? <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Um, but then I would like just put in all my like crappy emo CDs that I had in the early two thousands <laughs> and get like terrible monsters. I'm like, yes. So the monsters were all very sad. Yeah, all the monsters yeah. were just depressed when they came out. <laughs> Their girlfriends all just broke up with them. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, anyhow, we should we should probably get to the star of the show here, yes. uh, which is F Zero. So I guess the first thing we'll do is we'll start off with explaining what F Zero is mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know. It's a futuristic racing game series. It was born on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991. Um, it's largely credited with being the game that invented the the futuristic racing subgenre of racing games, and I don't think there's any real debate to be had about that, right? Like, I'm sure that there were kind of futuristic racing games before it, but none of them really popularized it like F Zero. Am I wrong here? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's like the first one that popularized that aesthetic of like hover cars and you know, sort of like mm-hmm. fast pace, like real big turn tracks and stuff like that. That was the first one I remember yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
All right. Now, as far as the story of the series, like with most racing games, you know, I would say the story matters a little bit more in F Zero, <laughs> but it's a racing game, so I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it starts in the year twenty five sixty. And this part kind of rings a little bit true here. Intergalactic multi-billionaires yeah. uh, invent a dangerous sport that they can gamble on. Which, yeah. of course, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that, that sounds exactly like what a multi-billionaire would do in yeah. 2560. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I got a lot of money. Let's gamble. Let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's create this super expensive hover car racing series so I can sit in a dark room, smoke, you know, galactic cigars. smoke cigars. Hey, you think your Cubans are good? You got to try these things out. (laughs) And uh, funnily enough, it actually reminded me of, and uh, and Arnie told me that he's seen this, which is the anime movie Redline. I like I can't I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. As soon as I read this description of F Zero, I was like, Redline. That's one of the reasons I liked Redline so much. It's got this cool almost F Zero vibe to it. Yeah, yeah that was I, I saw that on the outline and that was a little a little bit of a rabbit hole. Not gonna say I jumped fully in, but I definitely put my foot in, started looking up some videos, and I was like, Wow, this is intense. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Super uh, super stylized. Mm-hmm. One of the um one of the last like fully hand drawn um, anime movies, mm-hmm. not you know, not involving computers or anything like that. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. But it looks incredible. Yeah, yeah it really does. Yeah, Jeff, you haven't seen it? No, no. It was, it was only through uh, what you posted up. I, I can't believe I hadn't come across it before. I'm uh, I'm impressed that I was able to come up with an anime Jeff hadn't heard of. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So. Aside from its kind of futuristic comic book aesthetic, uh, the other big drawing uh, for F-Zero is speed. There's no other game prior to F-Zero, and we're talking even the graphically superior games in the arcade that quite captured the feel of speed that F-Zero did, and that would be kind of its calling card throughout the whole series. Every game in that series feels super, super fast, and it all started with the first one. So, you know, before we get to the SNES F-Zero, I guess the first question I want to ask, we'll start with you, Anthony. What was your first experience with F-Zero? My, my first, like seeing the game, I remember seeing it before I actually got a Super Nintendo, but it was it was like different. Like you didn't even understand what Mode 7 was and you're, you're seeing this thing and, you, and you're, in your mind, you're thinking, have I not seen this already? Has this not happened already? But it was definitely something not not jarring, but it was something like that was so impressive, like tech wise, like, what is this? Like this is crazy. Like the way the screen, you can actually see the whole the whole level, you know? The whole yeah, track. Yeah. Um but when I finally got to play it though, and I, I didn't get to play it till about when I finally got a Super Nintendo, so I probably played this game myself with time, like back in like like ninety eight. So yeah. when I finally got to sit down and play it, I was so impressed at how easy it was to just jump in and play this game. And this game was already like almost a 10-year-old game. We've already, at this point, we had seen way more impressive gra- uh, graphic lo- graphic games. So to be able to sit down and play this game and really appreciate it, Zero was just, it's kind of, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was cool, man. It's, it's really cool when you go back and you revisit these older games and just see like how well they've held up. But yeah. it was definitely a sense of like, 
um, it was something I hadn't seen before in terms of just the fact that there were so many different things going on while you're just racing the game, while you're just racing. You know, other yeah, things yeah. you have to keep track of, like your power meters and all this stuff that weren't really introduced in that way. So when you're, it's, it made every, every lab so tense. <laughs> Everything yeah. was so tense in yeah. this game. That's kind of the, that's kind of the theme with that game. And even more so with the subsequent games, they introduced some gameplay mechanics in some of the later games that even increase that tension more. Um, what about you, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's one of the few, uh, like core, SNES games that I didn't play till quite late on. Um, none of my friends had it. Uh, I didn't pick it up. Um, and when I did play it, it was probably quite late in the day. So I just felt like, ah, I prefer Mario Kart. It's multiplayer. I can have more fun <laughs> yeah. with it. This is quite brutal. And then I didn't play it again. And it, it wasn't until probably I would think the late 2000s when I picked up a like a car only copy for myself back when uh, mm. retro games were dirt cheap and uh, yeah. yeah i i think um i completed it back to front um i managed to kind of understand the mechanics and and i really enjoyed it it was it was a series that for, for nintendo I, i've always enjoyed their consoles but it's a series that always kind of eluded me till late on in a in a console's life cycle i i can't explain why but it just it was always one of those franchises that, that just kind of it would go, yeah. It would kind of like zoom past me, and I'd have to catch up with it towards the end. <laughs> right. Interesting. Yeah. I would have assumed because you were kind of a, I don't want to say early adopter, but like the SNES was basically your choice in that era. I, yeah. I would have, like, I wondered if F Zero might have been something that pushed you in that direction, just because it was such a kind of technical showpiece at launch. Yeah, I think I think if I'd seen it running say like on a on a there was a shop in my in my high street which would always have a couple of monitors in the in the shop window with a with a console attached to them if i'd seen f-zero running versus a master system which is what i would have had at the time i would have been like i like this is it this is selling me um oh yeah it, it, right. it definitely would have sold me but something else sold me on this on the snes and i can't remember which game it was but something of something a friend had but F Zero stunning. I even today I played it yesterday just to get yeah. quickly reacquainted. It, it's beautiful. I remember as a kid, like that was the game. It was actually the only game that made me kind of wish I had an SNES instead of a Genesis, yeah. just because it captured that feeling of like I didn't notice anything about the the Mode Seven, for example. Mm -hmm. Right? I think I might have just been a little bit too young to kind of be like oh, wow, what are they doing with the graphics? Mm -hmm. It was more like, oh, my God, this game is so fast. Yeah. That was that was it. I was just obsessed with the fact that it was that fast. Yeah. And it was only in in reading about it over the past little while that I was like, oh, wow, they're doing, like, so many cool little tricks here that, you know, not something I noticed as a kid, yeah. but it all kind of adds up. It's really, mm -hmm. it's really all very cleverly done. Mm. Yeah. Now, Arnie, obviously, you were still... A glint in your father's eye when yeah, this I was. game first came out. So, which F Zero game did you play first? I I'm gonna guess it was one of the GBA ones. Um, you close. Uh, I actually I feel really good now that everybody else is like, yeah, I didn't play it till much later because I was sort of the same way. <laughs> like when I got an SNES and when all my friends had SNESs, it was like the SNES launched with I think two games. Yeah, and it was well, F Zero and five here. Yeah, 
I, I just remember, like, of all the launch games, there was one that everybody had, and it was Super Mario World. And, like, yeah. I, I did not hear yeah. about F-Zero at all. Um, So, I think, like, I did play the first game first, but it was on an emulator. I think I played it, like, much later. Like, it was that mm. moment. Oh. It was that moment in every child's life when they realize you can play games on the internet, and they're like, I want to download everything. Like I, everything. I want every single everything, game. and F Zero was one of the ones that uh, that I remember downloading and just being like, "Wow, I really suck at this game." Like, <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, and then after that, I think I I, I own. I think the only F Zero game that I currently own is uh, one of the GBA ones. I think it's GP Legends. Yeah, yeah, that would be out of the two. At least for the American releases, that would be the that would be the one to own instead of maximum velocity. But yeah. you know, we'll we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah. We'll get to what the yeah. reason uh, for that is. So Jeff, let me ask you: between Wipeout and F Zero, so <laughs> and and you know what's coming, but I just <laughs> want to know what your opinion is on on how much better F Zero is, like on a scale of. <laughs> On a scale of like five times better to ten times better, yeah. yeah. What, are, what are we talking about here? Well, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna satisfy your macabre you know <laughs> viewpoint on Wipeout, a great great British game. Um, no, uh, Wipeout, Wipeout. I I I did a little bit of watching again of Wipeout. I wanted just to make sure before I entered this chat, I really had my ducks in line. Right, right, okay. <laughs> and Wipeout, I had the demo of it. It was tough, and it was brutal. It's like as soon as you hit a wall, you came down to a grinding halt. Whereas F Zero, yes. you hit a wall and you go bouncing around like a pinball, and you've lost the race almost. So they both they're both quite brutally hard games and require you to be to be perfect. I've always preferred the weaponry aspect of Wipeout. I that that brings in like a nice like different element to it. Basically it makes it like a Mario Kart, doesn't doesn't it really? Um Yeah. <laughs> but Wipeout took many iterations even for me to really enjoy it. It it did take time to become a great game. Whereas F Zero for me is instantly great. I think that's yeah. a that's a big difference. And I think that the uh the that, that studio up in Liverpool that obviously is now gone and psychosis they they were able to like give them time and give them money and give them space and they believed in it whereas f-zero and we are going to going to go into this i guess it has that tech demo feel to it where nintendo didn't return to it whereas wipeout they kept wanting to make it better and i think that's why overall i think i'll always prefer wipeout just because there's so much to it like the hd collection on the ps4 is phenomenal but yeah i think the starting roots f-zero is is by far and away more enjoyable what an enjoyably diplomatic wow, answer. that was really yeah. good. Yeah, Thanks. yeah Thanks. I, I'm going to, wow, I almost want to applaud. <laughs> I mean, the opinion, don't get me wrong, the The opinion is incorrect, right? Like, F-Zero is, is much better. I mean, all, all of that, just to avoid saying that he truly prefers Roll Cage, is, is, is still. <laughs> hey, man, don't sleep correct, on don't Roll Cage. Roll cage yeah. That was a great it's game. Great, great game, great game. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a very interesting way to put it. Because I remember, I remember the first time I played Wipeout, and we're not going to get into too much of a digression here because there's a lot to go over. But I remember the first time I played Wipeout, 
the thing that struck me the most, I was like, wow, this is this looks really cool. You know, it's it's really oh wait, I hit a wall and I stopped. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done here. <laughs> Cause it just it just felt like it felt like the the ship, the hover car, whatever you want to call it, it just felt kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the acceleration yeah. wasn't quite as as snappy as I wanted it to be. And yeah, it's like you said, Jeff, if you kind of hit a wall, then, you know, it, it you just come to a grinding halt, like you said. And mm. uh, for me, that was always kind of the the big difference, which, you know, it it is what it is. What I'll have to do is I'll have to try out the HD collection for PS4. Like mm-hmm. when you I guess the main question I have is in Wipeout, when you hit a wall now, Jeff, like, do you still come to that grinding halt or is there no. a little bit more forgiveness? Yeah, there's a lot more forgiveness. I mean, if you're going to do the time trials and you want to get those 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 big uh, or those very small times, then yeah, it's going to completely destroy you. Um, but I I think it's more forgiving. And now. the Omega Collection is a uh, PSVR compatible, so you can do oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh, thank goodness! I <laughs> yes. can another game I can barf to. Yeah, you can vomit all over your couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that disgusting note, uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll start off with the Super Nintendo F-Zero. Alright everyone, we're back. So, F-Zero, the OG for the SNES. Uh, This game, it was released as a launch title for the Super Famicom, and that was in Japan in November of 1990. And it was also a launch title for the SNES in North America in August of 1991. And funnily enough, I actually couldn't even get a release date for for the PAL. Like, it, it literally just said or Wikipedia anyway, just said 1992. <laughs> Some guy just dropped it off in, in a retail store one day and they were like, here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I mean is, man, like to not even give us a month for the power release, that's so disrespectful. I don't even know what to, don't even know what to think about that. But anyhow, um, produced by Mr. Shigeru Miyamoto. Glad Ozzy's not here. The God, um, the God oh among words. men, Miyamoto-san. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, in, in reading through some of the interviews and stuff, uh, Miyamoto, if you want to find his fingerprint, like the one kind of big thing that he did with the game, is he's actually credited for removing the invisible wall that's around the track. So originally when they were designing this game, you're driving around the track, and if you hit the wall then you hit the wall. You can't go off the track. Mm -hmm. And Miyamoto was like, no, get rid of that. And so they got rid of it and then bam, it opens up all these possibilities where you can like jump to different parts of the track if you hit a jump and and so on and so forth, which ends up being one of F-Zero's calling cards. So, you know, good idea by him. You know, one of his few good (laughs) ideas. I mean, F-Zero being the most successful franchise he's ever worked on, it's yeah. really a wonder yeah, that he had exactly, this, this, exactly. Good, this great idea. 
Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I'm, you know, credit <laughs> to Nintendo for being so charitable as to employ him. So, you know, good for them. Uh, directed by Kazunobu Shimizu. Uh, he decided on the futuristic theme. Uh, the Funnily enough, the vehicles and the theme, especially the vehicles, were actually influenced by uh, the American movie Batman, released at the time, the one starring Michael Keaton, the one with lineups going around the block. That, like, Anthony, you remember that, <laughs> Oh, I remember <right>? that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he saw the Batmobile and he's like, I want that in my game. And thus, that's why the vehicles in the game kind of sort of resemble the Batmobile. Do you ever have a moment when you learn a piece of information and it completely, like, like something clicks in your mind and you're like, I, everything makes sense now. Like my third eye has opened and like I can see <laughs> I can see the space between spaces. Like that was me when I read this piece of information. I was like, how did I not see this before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it fits like a fits like a puzzle piece right in there. <laughs> uh programmed by Yasunari Ishida, who stayed with Nintendo until 2012. He's got quite the CV as well. Uh he programmed uh Mario 64. Wii Sports, and because not everybody can bat a thousand, he also did Pokemon Stadium. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Art direction by Takaya Imamura, and uh, his style can also be seen in all of the subsequent F-Zero games, and he also did all the design for the Star Fox games, so you can can definitely kind of see the resemblance between the two. Um, I'm a big fan of his work, minus Slippy Toad and Peppy Hair, who can just fuck right off. Oh, Honestly, cool. those guys are just... They're, no, I'm sorry, Jeff. Those uh. guys, they need to go. Listen, Peppy, I'll do the barrel roll when I goddamn want to do the barrel roll. Okay, stop telling me to do a barrel roll. I know, Thank Peppy you. keeps pulling rank on you like all the time. <laughs> I wonder... Well, to me, he's just like a backseat driver. Yeah, he kind right? of like, who who would like who's driving around in Japan <laughs> at, with like with their old father and the father's like hey watch out there's a red light up there and thinks wow what a great idea i should put that in a video game <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> sound design by okay no really though my dad used to do this. like i would <laughs> i would approach like there's a red light down the road and my dad would lean over hey watch out for that red light and i'm like really dad thanks i'm starting to realize thanks. that uh your hatred of of peppy hair i think goes a little bit deeper than than just the game. oh my God, Peppy Hair is my father. <laughs> oh, it's all coming together now. Realizations on the Region Free Gamers podcast. Therapy at its best. And it's cheapest. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, sound design by Naoto Ishida and Yumiko Kanki. Uh, mainly notable, actually, just from reading it, because though they did arrange the soundtrack in F-Zero, which is a much beloved soundtrack, actually... Um, after the 16-bit era, they just vanished. Um, I think mm. as with... So, we've encountered a little bit of a theme here on the show just doing research. A lot of the women who worked on these games in the 16-bit era, what I'm finding is that they just get married and then they vanish. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's like they're just locked mm. into their house <laughs> and like, no, you you cannot work on these children's games anymore. <laughs> and they're like, okay, 
Yes, yeah. of course. And we we I know we definitely talked about the fact that specifically with Japanese developers, it's really like, oh, I guess I interned for a summer and like did one of the most beloved soundtracks of all time. Now I'm like <laughs> a stockbroker or something. Like what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, with uh with Miss Yumiko Kanki, I I'm pretty sure that's what happened with her. Um because eventually you can kind of see um a different surname for her which indicates that she gets ah, married and then she just vanishes and uh naoto ishida actually moved on to more of like the technological aspect of sound design okay um so not with nintendo but working with other software companies and and so on and so forth but great soundtrack before they left so the uh, the actual game itself uh this pretty much continued nintendo's new they basically kind of were developing a tradition of releasing a game at launch that was essentially like a tech demo for the system mm-hmm. i didn't really put the pieces together on this one until reading about f-zero but you know it originally started actually with the nes where they released the system and the big thing with the nes at that time was smooth side scrolling mm-hmm. and you know you kind of think to yourself, smooth side-scrolling, like, well, yeah, like, how hard is that? No, actually, it's really friggin' hard, because I don't know if you guys remember, like, your your average home computer, you couldn't you couldn't have side-scrolling yeah. games on it. Yeah. Like, you could, but they were super, super choppy. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was always, like, you'd hit, the, you'd hit the edge of the screen, and it would either, like, slowly scroll, like, the next background, or it, like blink out of existence and pop yeah. back in with another yeah yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah so funnily enough the side scrolling and the smoothness of it actually like actually a really big deal and so mario brothers and i guess to an extent excite bike mm-hmm. were kind of like the the showpieces for that ability of the system which ended up just transforming video games completely then you have mario 64 which was 3d uh wii sports yep. which is you know the motion controls and uh, I put in my notes here, one, two, switch, <laughs> <laughs> which its technological innovation was wasting our time. Yep. <laughs> as far as F-Zero is concerned, uh, the entire structure of the game is actually based around uh, what was known as Graphical Mode 7. So we'll do a, just like a little bit of a kind of layman's explanation here of Mode 7. Basically, kind of to simplify, you had modes, Graphical modes 0 to 6, on the SNES, and those were basically different types of backgrounds uh, with different numbers of layers that could be used. So Mode Zero, for example, I, I, didn't, I don't have any example of a game that used that I really should have looked it up, but basically Mode Zero has the fewest amount of colors, but it could enable four different background layers. Mm. And then Mode One, which actually was the most common, it had access to more colors than Mode Zero, but only three layers. Uh, which, for the purpose of the SNES and other systems, it was basically like a background, a foreground, and then a heads-up display, a HUD. Mm-hmm. So, you know, skipping on to Mode 7, Mode 7, a different kind of background uh, mode, just one single layer. So where the other modes have multiple layers to create some depth and to move your character around over a foreground, Mode 7 was just one background layer with up to 256 colors. But this single background layer, it could be rotated, it could be scaled, it could be skewed, or any combination of the three. With F-Zero, for example, 
the Mode 7 background is actually the track itself. So it's basically one giant bitmap. They draw a track on it and they have kind of like a black border around the track to give it kind of like that floating look once you scale it. Mm. So then they skew it so that it's wider at the bottom and then thinner at the top to kind of create that 3D perspective. And then they scale the entire background forwards, I guess backwards, but in order to create the illusion of moving forwards. Such a a cool little idea. And um, if you guys need other examples of of Mode 7 and how obvious it is, you know, funnily enough, I was actually looking this up and I found out it it made so much sense after looking it up. Castlevania 4, for example, you know, you fight against the Golem Mm -hmm. boss and it's the only boss fight. I looked it up where the background is black and I'm like, yes, of course, because the Golem itself is a background. Mm -hmm. That's how they're able to scale him. Every time you hit him, he gets a little bit smaller. And then when you do defeat the golem, he just kind of like, he just increases in size until he fills the whole screen and then kind of explodes. Yeah. Mm. So. It was, I don't know. Is it weird to me? Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I never knew any of this. I I thought mode seven was just mode seven because like some guy thought it sounded cool. (laughs) I didn't really think that there was like anything behind it. So when I, when I started reading this part of the outline and you were like mode zero through six and I was like, Oh, here's where Paul makes that joke where it's like, what happened to mode zero through six? Now we have mode seven. (laughs) And then I was like, Oh no, there's like a real explanation to all of this. And I'm just an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I re- yeah I, re- I didn't know there was other modes before yeah. this. No, you know what? Honestly, me neither. I thought I really thought mode seven was just kind of like a lame marketing yeah. thing. Yeah. And when I mean lame, I mean lame. Yeah. Like Sega had blast processing, exactly. right? Badass. And uh, and then Super Nintendo has mode seven, which no, it was it was actually a utilitarian term, not uh, not a marketing term. So who knew, right? Oh. I mean, me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Well, so Anthony, for you as a kid, Blast Processing or Mode yeah. 7? Like, which which team were you on? Oh, I was, you know, by default, I was on Blast Processing. <laughs> you know, but you know, you know, like that meme of that guy walking with his girlfriend, but he looks over his shoulder and he yeah. sees this other girl yeah, walking. Yeah. So, I'm walking with Blast Processing, but I was checking out that Mode 7. <laughs> You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, so over in over in Europe land, like Jeff, were you even, did they did they even did they even use the term blast processing there? Like, was that just a North American thing? Oh, we yeah, I think we we got all of that marketing PR bullshit. It all it all came our way. Emotion emotion engine or chip, oh, all that yeah. stuff. We get all of that. Now, is, oh. are you, you, you reminded me I was in um, I went on a holiday to uh, in Indonesia I was in Bali and I, I went past a shop that had 6D movies I'm like 6D like what the hell happened to 4 and 5D what, they've just jumped to man. 6 <laughs> this is too like, many D's man there's too, too many, many D's in that movie yeah. but you know never never wow. be surprised by the power of marketing because blast processing still sounds amazing to me oh, it sounds amazing <laughs> I know yeah. right like we like I laugh at it, you know, tongue in cheek, right? Because it's a relic of the era, but it still sounds pretty cool, actually. It does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> I would say I would say the emotion engine was the climax of that particular <laughs> terrible marketing movie. So I wrote <laughs> I wrote this question down 
as kind of like a joke, but now I'm amusing myself and I have to ask you, Jeff. So on, on a previous episode, yeah, I wish I could remember which one exactly so people can so people could listen just to hear it from the horse's mouth. But you you per, you confirmed on a previous episode that Europe actually has cars. Big oh, if yeah. true. Which big if true. Yeah, like mind blowing. Yeah, no, but I, I think I've also I've also kind of uh, educated people to know that we also had we also have malls and blockbuster videos. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I feel like I'm yeah. doing a massive service for Europe here. So what's, your, what, what's the question, Paul? What's the question? <laughs> the question is whether Europe also has hover cars like an F-Zero. Well, yeah, but Germany have been making those for years. So yeah. you've got them. We don't, we don't talk the, about uh, them. Aldis. Yeah, we just don't let you know. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm glad to know <laughs> yeah, that at least this technology is out safe. there and eventually we'll eventually we'll co-opt it. We'll steal it. I asked my wife yesterday. I said, "So, cuz she was kind of looking over my shoulder as I was writing the outline, and she's like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "Hey, if you could pick one European country to develop the hover car, which one would it be?" And her and she was like, "Oh, Sweden." Wait, no, Germany, Germany. <laughs> That's what happens when you go on the Autobahn. You just, your car becomes a hover car. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, uh, back to F-Zero. Uh, the game itself was, was absolutely like stunning yeah. for its time. Um, other racing games, they could actually create hills uh, by using various graphical tricks. And you'll see them as far back as Rad Racer on the NES. Um, Sega would use kind of like stacked tiles or sprites. And that's a trick that they used as early as Space Harrier even. Um, but the thing about the stacked tiles or really any of the other techniques that were used in racing games is that none of them could hit that magical 60 frames per second that F-Zero did. And that 60 frames per second is truly the secret sauce to F-Zero. Because mm. if you in introduce any kind of choppiness to that game, bam, your your sense of speed is just gone. Yeah. At least I've never played F-Zero at a lower frame rate, but to me, that's what would happen because yeah. it feels so fast. And part of that is just that it feels so smooth. Um, I was just going to say that, and we'll, this will play more into the later games, but they did so much with very little. I feel like they did not... They could not, you know, make this game like really flashy, really big sort of uh, scenic, you know, sort of stuff because they were using the mode seven and to keep it at that smooth 60 frames. But there is something like very eye catching yeah. about that game still, even with its minimalist look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah. Um, There's an interview with the developers where they mentioned that they. They showed it off at a trade show uh, before the Super Famicom's release, and they had two Super Famicom's, you know, test systems set up with F-Zero, and the lineups to play it were huge. Mm -hmm. And the trade show is like other industry people, so they're all very kind of, you know, it's not like a consumer, you know, going up and playing it. It's people who are like programmers and developers, and they're all playing F-Zero, and their jaws are just on the floor. They're like... Oh my god, are these are these polygons? Like, did you guys crack the code? Like <laughs> And Nintendo, the uh the developers are like Shimizu or Ishida, for example, they'd be like, no, no, it's just you know, it's just mode seven, like relax. But 
also please enjoy the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's crazy. Like uh, when I was doing some, you know, when looking over the notes and doing some research, the development time that they had for this game was so was so condensed. Yeah. So to see what they, you know, to so for them to come out with something pretty revolutionary in such a small amount of time was alone so impressive. Yeah. I mean, basically Miyamoto went to them and said, "Hey, this is what Mode Seven is. Show me what you can do with it." And so they were just kind of farting around with it, and were like, "Hey, what if we do this? Do you think that will work?" And it did. And how? Really, you know, really, I don't want to call it an accident because obviously、mm -hmm. it takes talent to find these kind of things. But just hearing the story of it, where they were just kind of like, "Let's figure out what we can do with it," and then, oh my God, we've just created a beloved racing <laughs> game just like、yeah. that.、Mm. So, you know, just a few of the other, like, you know, little notes here for F Zero. Very interestingly, I I didn't know about this beforehand, but. Because of F Zero's ability to follow a track that was just a single background layer, that was actually the reason that it could have those 180 degree hairpin turns. And it didn't hit me until I was looking it up. Other racing games just didn't do that.、Mm -hmm. You had kind of like a max of a 90 degree turn, and you know a bunch of gradual turns and so on and so forth, because you're doing kind of tile stacking, and you can't, you know, if you stack tiles. And turn 180 degrees. It just kind of creates like, you know, like you're opening a fan, and you can see all the different layers of the fan. Whereas if you just have a gradual curve, it keeps it tight、mm -hmm. and it keeps the illusion looking real. F Zero didn't even have to do that. It could do like 100% 180 degree turns, and you could jump to other parts of the track, unheard of at the time. It was it was absolutely crazy. And、uh, funnily enough, hover cars. Back to the hover cars again. Can't stop talking about them. <laughs> They were used actually because graphically turning wheels was difficult. The developers originally wanted to put wheels on the cars because you know Batman, and they're like, you know what, this whole wheel turning thing sucks. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even want to try. Let's just have them be hover cars. It's in the future anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. And and there you go, like a beautifully elegant and lazy solution. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were like, we've already like. Develop this incredibly innovative and you know revolutionary design in using this mode seven thing. Like that's enough innovation for for one game, I think. <laughs> and I, I think I, I think on one of the interviews I was looking at, they were when they were talking about the wheels. They said that they'd have to so many frames that they'd have to draw just to get the wheels as they were turning, as the vehicles were turning and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So removing that just you know, <laughs> they, it it literally cut it down to like from like a hundred and something frames to like、yeah. four. Yeah, they had <laughs> so, to fire the wheel drawing guy, but you know, sacrifice. Yeah, imagine getting that job, man. Imagine getting that job. You're in charge of wheels, and then finding out the next day, like we don't need you. Where we're going, we don't, don't need, need wheels. Is what they were. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, there we go. <laughs> so, unlike most racing games at the time, F Zero was actually just as much about staying alive as it was winning.、Um, the hover cars—they actually have a power meter, and they can take damage. So, if you run out of power, the ship just <laughs> boom—it explodes.、Yeah. And for me, anyway, I find that this actually complements the speed perfectly. Because it creates a little bit more、yeah. tension. It's not just about winning; like you're in second place, but oh crap, my hover car is almost dead, 
and it's really kind of a nail biter. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I loved it. Like, what what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I like I said before, it, it, it was a it was a lot to 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 juggle while you're racing, and it just added to the tension. And it was something that, like I said, it, it wasn't something that we had seen like that before. So having to manage your your health in a racing game. It was kind of a cool thing once you got the hang of it. Yeah, yeah. I find for myself it kind of depends on the game. Like if I'm playing if I'm playing a simulator, if I'm playing a Gran Turismo kind of game, I think I could probably do without the damage. It looks cool on the car, but then it affects your performance, you know, when when you're playing that kind of game. Whereas in a game like F0, you take the damage and it's kind of an all or nothing prospect. The the fun, so to speak, is that your car will still perform the way it is intended to with no adverse effects from taking damage. Mm-hmm. But if you take too much damage, then it's mm-hmm. over and you're done, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, that that's just the way the way I like to look at yeah. it. I hate it because I'm <laughs> because I'm not good at these games. But I do like I think for F Zero, like the way that it plays, it's nice to have that extra level of strategy where it's like, if you're in first, do you play it safe and try not to blow up and risk somebody catching you? Or do you, you know, take those riskier turns that you might not need to and risk blowing up? Yeah. Yes. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. And with F Zero as well, because of the, as Anthony mentioned earlier, because of like, or maybe Jeff, but the pinball nature of hitting exactly. objects and obstacles, it actually really, it really introduces another little bit here. Like if you hit another car just right, you can cause them to start careening into stuff mm-hmm. and take damage and potentially explode. But I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I would, I would never even try because like yeah. if I tried to hit the other car just right. Almost inevitably, I'm the yeah, one who turns out. into the pinball yeah. and starts going <laughs> off the walls and stuff. I found I found with like the uh, dying, it was a, a point where I, w- I remember there's a couple of tracks where you get really frustrated because the even the straights become very narrow. And mm. even if you're in the lead, mm-hmm. you start catching up with other cars or other, other crafts and you start kind of going, God, actually, like they're almost knowing which way I'm going to go on what side of the track. They're like really trying to mess me around here. And then you'd end up ping-ponging, <laughs> you blow up, and it's just like, you know what, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like, this is this is utter bollocks. <laughs> but, then, but then you realise, actually, to go through one Grand Prix, it doesn't take much time at all. And you quickly find yourself going going again. And I think that's what's, yeah. what's so great about that speed, that you feel like you can quickly catch up to where you were last time. And you can make that jump now, or you know how to kind of manage the course better. So it it never mm. felt like, God, I'm 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 half an hour down down the road here. I'm gonna have to like I don't know if I can be bothered to put that time in again to get to that track. It was a, that immediate yeah. like gratification that I think always pulled me back uh, when I did first start playing it, rather than the uh, kind of like that 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 feeling on wipeout where you're like I can't even drive. So. This is this is not for me. At least at F zero, that speed kept coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I I don't disagree at all. You know, just to kind of build on that, I was playing GX F zero GX last night a lot more than I actually expected yeah. to, and that was part of it. You know, it could keep you coming back because everything was nice and quick, mm-hmm. and also like you were saying, Jeff, because of the speed. I've never played a game, and this is just talking about F zero GX. I know I'm skipping ahead, but whatever. I've never played a game where I was in last place so frequently and yet completely unworried about mm-hmm. 
because I knew even though I'm in last place, I could hit some boosts and I could hit some, you know, mm. natural boosts on the track and then bam, like I'm right back in it. The cars are all like in a pack. I never really felt like I was completely out of it. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So back to F-Zero, the original again, uh, got to mention first F-Zero game to introduce Captain Falcon. You mean that guy from Smash? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> originally, actually, Captain Falcon, this was amusing, was supposed to be designed by Ishida to be the Super Famicom's wow. mascot, uh, which is why his color palette actually matches the colors on the Super Famicom buttons, although they dropped the green from his design mm -hmm. a little bit later. And uh, eventually, they actually just dropped the mascot, uh, the Super Famicom mascot idea altogether. And uh, he just remained in F-Zero, and he made some cameos in some other games, like, you know, who cares about those other games, whatever. <laughs> and uh, also, I didn't know this, he had a starring role in his own anime series, which was released around the time of the uh, the GBA mm -hmm. games and F-Zero GX as well. Like, did you guys know about the anime series? I did no. not. No. But now, I, now I'm wondering if it's better than the Fire Emblem anime. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, the Zelda. <laughs> that's that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to say that the dubbing is better oh, yeah. than the Fire Emblem anime, <laughs> but the Fire Emblem anime is the is the better one. Yeah. Um cuz that oh my god, that Fire Emblem dubbing, good <laughs> god. I haven't I haven't gone back to it Arnie since we did that episode, oh. but like I'm just thinking about it now <laughs> and I just want to randomly insert clips from it it's, into our show. It's, it, it's worth it's worth the ride if you're willing to to pay the price of admission. Um, <laughs> I also really enjoy the idea of Nintendo going from like an overweight Italian plumber to this like Judge Dread looking motherfucker as like the new mascot exactly. for their system. I know, right? <laughs> and and when they pick, they pick the fat plumber. Yeah, they go ultimately. <laughs> so, but this was actually. Yeah. And, and then it's up being the right choice. Yeah, you got to give the people what they want. Arnie, you brought up the point I, I, I really wanted to make about that. And, and that was when you look at the uh, comic, <laughs> it's like, and, I, and this is where for me, I, I, I don't want to start, I don't want to speak badly of Miyamoto and of Nintendo. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> bring out my inner Aussie. But when I look at F-Zero, I like outside of the technicality side of it, I don't really see anything that, that original. And let me mm. let me kind of let me kind of break it down. And and this isn't to disparage anything the creators have done, but I can I guess it's clearly I can <laughs> I feel like I can see where they've been influenced because basically this yeah. this is from AD two thousands Judge Dread. This is this is where it's from. Where people yeah. can go around well, where the judges can go around blasting away criminals. Of course, there would be death games with cars. Of course, there would be. <laughs> so it's like it is on theme it's on theme like even Captain Falcon I'm looking at him now he is Judge Dredd he's got the whole yeah. visor thing going you can only <laughs> see the bottom half of his mouth of his face he's he's Judge Dredd <laughs> but then also you've it's, there's a little bit of like like anything about futuristic there's a little bit of Blade Runner in there there's a little bit of even I think mm. like The Running Man if you if you know that movie about like basically fighting oh, to survive yeah. and you win money and all that sort of stuff um, 
Mm-hmm. He's no longer sub zero. <laughs> he's just plain zero. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's Sorry, how I know that's a great movie, isn't it? It's a great movie. Um, but there is, and I guess that's where, like, even the Super Famicom box, it is a comic book cover. So there's clearly, there's mm-hmm. either that part of they've gone, right, we've got this thing, let's try and layer something on top of it. Let's just try and make it more than it is because it's essentially a. a you know a tech demo of a game let's try and yeah. create something which is yeah. which is absolutely great but like it looks like they've just gone to uh uh judge judge um, creator and go draw us up some characters and i tried to do yeah. some research <laughs> research to see okay who does who really did like make the comic and if it's if it's ishida and like they did all the comic and it's bizarre because in the super famicom manual the comic is all in english so it does make <laughs> oh. me think that i'm just reading out of a judge dread or they've just kind of just copied it frame for frame from another from a different series. <laughs> what knowing that now, when <laughs> when I play it again, if I think I'm racing on a background, it's very bizarre. It's kind of like that yeah. whole thing of space <laughs> yeah. is is endless, and there's billions of light. You know, I can't. I don't even know what that means anymore. My brain doesn't work like that. Um, but it's so as much as the I think that all the stuff layered on top isn't too original. What it did, and I, I'd have to. It's a bit. It sounds like we're talking about one of our, one of our battle episodes, but I'm sure if you put me <laughs> at E3 or whatever in 1990, I would have been what this is yeah. incredible. This is yeah. utterly yeah. amazing. Forget all the stuff, all the comments up <laughs> on the side. This this is this is too, too good to be true. So yeah, Judge Dredd, Captain Falcon. I think they're brothers or something for sure. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> I never made the connection myself, but now that you mentioned it, it's like. But oh, it's, yeah, it's great that they even threw the comic book in at the end of the manual just to give you some backstory as to what's happening. Yeah, and it's great. Cool, man. Well, I think on that note, uh, we'll take another break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about F Zero X for the N sixty four. everyone we're back and we are back with f0x for the n64 at the next f0 game to be released on home consoles f0x released in the second half of 1998 pretty much in all territories so between july and november for everybody obviously japan came first and not a launch title for the n64 not a kind of like tech demo uh, like it was for the snes just a straight up great game for the N64, uh, produced again by Shigeru Miyamoto and Takuya Imamura again did the art as he would for all subsequent F-Zero games. Additionally, Tadashi Sugiyama uh, was the director for this one. He's a Nintendo vet. Uh, he started out with Ice Climber and uh, most recently produced Star Fox Zero. It's yeah. uh, it's very interesting to see these directors and programmers for Nintendo. They are they are lifers, let yeah. me tell you. I don't know what Nintendo's doing over free there. Free lunches. If they're just like, <laughs> free lunches. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your bento box. Yeah. <laughs> so the game itself, F-Zero X, uh, it, 
manages to retain that kind of gritty yet cartoon-like style of the original. Um, you know, I guess much like Judge Dredd, since uh, we're since we were talking about that. Yeah. Um, kind of a stubborn visual style uh, because we did just have Wipeout released shortly before F Zero, and you know, for for its faults, you know, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Wipeout did look super, super cool mm -hmm. and super futuristic. So it's kind of a very Nintendo move to be like, no, you guys can do what you want. We're just going to stick with our cartoons and our Judge Dredd knockoffs. Thank you very much. <laughs> so F-Zero X uh, did introduce a number of innovations. Um, hills. You know, the F-Zero the F on the SNES, because of the Mode 7, it can't have any hills. It's just a single background layer. F-Zero X, on the other hand, hills, loops, it's all over the place. Um, back on the Super Nintendo, we had four vehicles, four pilots. Now we've got 30 in F-Zero X. And this is actually, this was actually kind of a demand by Miyamoto. He's like, look, I don't care what you guys do with the graphics but we need 60 frames per second and we need 30 cars on the track. That's the demand that I'm making of you. <laughs> and so the programmers, they took their free lunch and they went off to work. And there you go, man, 30 cars on the track. Um, F-Zero X introduces attacking. So you can attack by using a side attack or a spin attack. And you use this, of course, to knock other racers off the track or damage them. And uh, the side attack actually, it doubles as a cornering technique with some practice. So when you turn, you start sliding off the track. But if you do a side attack as you're cornering, you can just corner a little bit more tightly. Um, it becomes, uh, what I was reading is it yeah. takes practice, but I don't know about you guys. For me, it was just second nature. Mm. I'm like, wait, so if I hit the R button, I can corner more tightly, yeah, yeah. bam. So the, the boost now in this game for me, this is kind of like the secret sauce of the game. Because the original F-Zero, it's fast. There's tension with the damage. But F-Zero X would introduce what I think is... Uh, anyway, it's my favorite part of the game. So the boost in F-Zero X kind of makes the game into like this nail-biting experience. Because when you hit boost in F-Zero X, what it does is it uses up some of your energy meter. And obviously, if your energy meter goes all the way to the bottom, you explode and you die. Mm -hmm. So what this ends up creating is it creates a situation where on your final lap, as you're approaching the finish line, especially, you start mashing that boost in order to get ahead and to finish first. But at the same time, you run the risk like, boy, oh boy, like if I'm really low on energy because of all my boosting and I hit the wall then it's over and it's over right before the finish line. And it, for me anyway, it created this awesome like final lap kind of frantic dash to the finish. I don't know, like, did you, okay, first of all, I guess, did, I know Arnie, you just said you didn't play yeah. F-Zero X. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Did you ever play it? Yeah, you know, I played it. Um, the It's it's funny because when I first played it, it was, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was so crazy. <laughs> No, because like, like yeah, I had I had played some Wipeout, but there was something just a little bit more. Um, I, I this was just easier to get into, but it was still crazy with those loops and those tunnels and like 
There was parts where you would go through that tunnel and you're spinning and you have no idea what's happening. You're just like in a washing oh, yeah. machine. And when you come out of it, you're like, I hope I land on something like, and you're just out. Uh, it was, it was, it was great just to, how, to see how the, how the series had grown, like from this four players to like now you got 30 people on the track with you. It was pure Nintendo love, man. <laughs> it was just pure Nintendo. But, um, yeah, man, the first time I played it though, man, I was just like, Yo, this this is not. I didn't know what to expect, really. So going from the playing the Super N- Nintendo sixteen uh, bit version to now this the Nintendo sixty four version was just like it was mind blowing. It was a night and day, but it was like, but it was still so F zero though. It, 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 yeah, you you couldn't confuse this game for nothing other than an F zero game somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we we poop on the N sixty four a lot on this show. But F0X, I think, is is a fantastic showpiece for the system. I know I know you were a PlayStation guy, Jeff. I mean, you didn't really get your hands on F0X very no, much, no, or did I you? Didn't. I, I was too busy playing uh, Wipeout 3 and Roll Cage. <laughs> uh, how does it control? I guess my question would be, like, a, a racer like this that does involve, like, really, like, you need to master these controls. How does it play on a stick as opposed to a D-pad? You have to yeah, use the stick. Use okay. Yeah, you've got to use the analog stick because the D-pad, the D-pad means you just careen into a wall yeah. like immediately okay. because it's just like max turn, max power, and then oh wait, that's not what I want to be doing. Yeah. It really does kind of require a little bit of a little bit of fine tuned mm-hmm. uh, control, so to speak. So much so that the uh so f0x because of the nintendo 64 analog controller and again we poop on that controller a lot too but admittedly the analog stick actually had a very wide range of motion Mm -hmm. and it was very important for f0 specifically so much so that eventually when they re-released this game on virtual console i think on the wii u uh there was a segment of fans um one of which was the webmaster i think for nintendo life and uh, he kind of started a campaign to nintendo being like yo these controls are way off this is nothing (laughs) like the n64 you guys need to fix this because the n64 controller was perfect and this wii u stuff is not cutting it and uh, nintendo actually patched their virtual console release um on the wii u of f-zero x to kind of like make it feel more like that n64 Mm. analog stick oh wow so you know, it only took us only took us what two and a half years, and I finally said something nice about there the N sixty four controller. <laughs> so F zero X, some of the modes they definitely expanded on it compared to the original F zero. Obviously, you have the Grand Prix mode, which was in the SNES version. It's in every F zero, uh, but additionally, you also have time attack mode, uh, practice mode, death race, which I thought was really cool. Um, basically, death race is just a race to eliminate all the other racers in as little time as possible <laughs> so once you've eliminated all the racers then that's the time that you have recorded which you know a pretty cool little addition uh versus battle which my preferred or my preferred way of playing it the four player split screen on <laughs> f0x is it, it's mind-blowing like it's still super silky smooth and just a fantastic way to play the game we spent hours on four-player split-screen with this game. And another really cool version, I didn't even know about this 
until I researched it because I never actually finished the game. Most of the time that I spent with this game was on multiplayer. Uh, but there's another mode called the X Cup. And the X Cup is another Grand Prix mode, except that it is randomly generated tracks. Mm. It's kind of like the, the roguelike now yeah. of racing games. So in order to unlock it, you have to complete all the other Grand Prix Cups on expert mode, which, you know, I mean, that's that's a tall order. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, or, and I have to try this out because I have F0X. It can also be unlocked via cheat code, um, which is really cool. You know, a, a nice kind of callback to the times before DLC because yeah. obviously now I'd have to pay an additional <laughs> $15 for it. So yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to try that out because... I don't know about you guys, but like to me, a racing game with randomly generated tracks and on top of that, like a really fast game like F-Zero, that's, I don't know, man, that sounds yeah, super I can't believe exciting. we haven't seen something no, like that. Absolutely. So anyway, the uh, the soundtrack uh, for F-Zero X, absolutely, it's, it's very unique among the series in that it's very guitar heavy. Yeah. You know, it's almost like this kind of heavy metal, hard rock feel to it. I loved it uh, <laughs> way back then. Now, you know, a little bit less. Now I kind of like, I hear the not so great sound quality yeah. of it. And I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. But the remixes and uh, and the guitar were, you know, they're still pretty cool. I, I think they still hold up, even if they don't impress me quite as much as they did uh, when I first heard it. <laughs> so now F-Zero X, you know, as much as I love it, it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um as we know, the key to the F-Zero experience is that 60 frames per second. But in F-Zero X, in order to achieve this, the draw distance and the detail in the game is, is pretty much subpar. Um, the draw distance, it doesn't affect the actual race. Mm -hmm. um, you still have enough time to see what's coming and to react. But with that said, it is noticeable. Like you do see the backgrounds kind of pop up out of nowhere, pop up out of the out of the fog, yeah. you know, because it's the Nintendo sixty four, and uh, and the detail on the tracks, the detail in the backgrounds, almost almost non existent to the point now where I don't know if somebody was picking up this game now, they could almost say, "Oh wow, what a what a minimalist experience! This is so cool." <laughs> it's very of its time, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but back then it was just kind of like. Uh, this doesn't doesn't look so great, yeah. but of course because it's an F Zero game, like you don't really have time to look at the backgrounds anyway. Am I <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I I was get I was thinking about this too, and I I mean I'm pulling this out of my ass, so I could be completely wrong, but I feel like the the N sixty four gets a lot of guff retro in retrospect for sticking to cartridges over discs, just because it made the games like more expensive, which is fair point. But I, it, it makes me yeah. curious about whether something like this could have been done this well on a disc. Like, I wonder if the lack of, of load times and stuff like that, because it was early, early in the life cycle of like disc based games, like if, if they would have been able to pull it off this smoothly with a consistent frame rate and, and yeah. all that good stuff. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know what the corollary is on the PlayStation, for example, yeah. because you have games like Wipeout that are very smooth. And but do they have 30 other cars yeah. on the track? That's exactly. that's the question. I think something like um something like Destruction Derby mm -hmm. on the PlayStation might be kind of like your best comparison. It's not great, mm, you know, yeah, comparison. That's, that's a game but... from ninety five, isn't it? It's quite tough. 
Yeah, yeah. It, Destruction Derby 2 in particular, it actually runs really, really smoothly mm. and, mm. you know, actually holds up really well for a PlayStation game. But then again, it doesn't quite have the speed yeah. um, that F-Zero yeah, exactly. does. So, yeah, I don't know, Arnie. That's a good question. And I guess we'll never know the answer, eh? <laughs> we never will. It's a shame. But we have F-Zero <laughs> X regardless, so. Exactly. So, F-Zero X also... It had an expansion kit released. Um, this, unfortunately, though, was only available in Japan since it was released for the uh, the 64 disk drive. Now, with that said, the expansion kit is pretty... It's, it's widely praised for what it is. It introduces 12 new tracks, a vehicle editor, and a track editor. The uh, The track editor on the, on the expansion kit actually is basically what the staff used in order to create the actual tracks in the game, which is pretty cool. Uh, funnily enough, just... There's not a heck of a lot out there on F-Zero X um, as far as like interesting facts. It's not the first game of the series and it was released on a system that wasn't as widely available. Um, the, the one funny thing I was able to find is that Blood Falcon's vehicle, the Hellhawk, uh, it was the Hellhawk in Japan and then they renamed it Bloodhawk for Europe and North America. So this this raises a point for me because like, I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> On the list of things that I'm afraid of, blood is way higher than hell. I mean, the thing that the thing that bothers me is that I like the alliteration of Hellhawk, whereas yeah. Bloodhawk yeah. is just kind of like, bleh. like what yeah. are we really af- are we really that afraid of the church in the early '90s? <laughs> like, what is what is going on here? I mean, seeing that we we live in hell now, <laughs> <laughs> we should be more afraid of blood. I think. <laughs> Yeah, we're all kind of acclimatized now, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly. So are you are, are you more afraid of your blood or someone else's? Um, I would say seventy mine, thirty yeah. others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm more afraid of somebody else's blood on someone because then I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> like I have, at that point, I have questions. <laughs> like we need to sit down and, and discuss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For me, it's a matter of responsibility. Like if I see <laughs> if I see blood on someone else, then I'm like, oh shit, what am I gonna do, right? Whereas if yeah. I see blood on myself, at least if I fail and like I die, then it's my fault. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm, <laughs> right. and I'll be dead, and I won't have to live with the guilt. But boy, this is really taking a morbid turn, man. Yeah. So, well, you asked the question. So a couple other quick things here from F-Zero X. Uh, it does have Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 64, uh, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. That makes an appearance in the Joker Cup. Uh, the Grand Prix Cups in F-Zero X are Jack, Queen, King, and Joker, and uh, the uh, Joker Cup being the hardest one. And yeah, Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 64 makes an appearance there. And additionally, if you noticed in F-Zero X, there's a pilot named James McCloud and you wondered whether his name and look have anything to do with the Star Fox protagonist, Fox McCloud, then you wouldn't be the only one who noticed that. Uh, James McCloud in Star Fox lore is actually Fox's father. So this led me down yet another rabbit hole. And Nintendo themselves have actually officially, officially stated that neither of these things has anything to do with the other. James McCloud in F-Zero is one thing. Star Fox is another thing. And, you know, that's how it is. But, like, there are (laughs) references in virtually every F-Zero and Star Fox game that kind of, like, join one with the other. Um, I'm not going to get into all the references. There are quite a few. 
I guess. <laughs> I, so, am a, I am a James McLeod truther now. Yeah. Like, I, I, I believe. My, my theory is that he is a Highlander. Uh, and <laughs> wow. Another great movie reference. Come on. <laughs> so, I, I have another question written here, but I think, I think it'd be funniest if Jeff reads this to us. Jeff, if you want to pose the question here. Sure. <laughs> sure. Since, <clears throat> since it's all but official that the human James is father to Fox, a man Fox, does this mean James is a furry and the future <laughs> is an erotic wonderland for all furries? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's the only future we could aspire to at this point, you know? <laughs> like... Oh my lord. It's the first thing I thought of. I, I apologize. I saw James McLeod and I'm like, wait a minute. James McLeod is a human. Fox is his son. How does that happen? And did he enjoy it? <laughs> Moving on to F-Zero on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail here on all of yeah. these games mm -hmm. because, you know, they, they, they do what they do. They don't necessarily push the envelope in any way. Um, so F-Zero for the Game Boy Advance, starting off with Maximum Velocity, uh, that was released between March and June of 2001, depending on which territory mm -hmm. you lived in. And that was developed by ND Cube. Uh, which was a subsidiary of Nintendo. So it was around this time that Nintendo started licensing out their IPs to either individual developers or subsidiaries to be worked on. Um, following Maximum Velocity, you've got GP Legend. Uh, that was released in November 2003 in Japan. And then the next year, Summer, Fall, for North America and Europe. And uh, that game was developed by independent developer Suzak, Followed again very shortly by F-Zero Climax, and that was October 2004, so the year after, also developed by Suzak. So, notable, I thought, you know, the most interesting thing about the developer Suzak is that they worked on a puzzle game based on the Shin Megami Tensei Kids franchise, and that yep. was for the Game Boy Advance. Now, I had no idea that there was like a Shin Megami Tensei Kids spinoff. Did, did yeah. you know this, Arnie? I, I did only because at one point I had looked up pretty much every game in the series to see like how insane I would have to be to collect them all. Um, oh. so Shin Megami Tensei <laughs> Kids was on there. I was I mean, it, it, it really is like if you ever look up like the Shin Megami Tensei franchise, they've pretty much dipped their toe into every subgenre of of game that you could ever do um they did this uh they've done rhythm games obviously they even did like a pokemon ripoff that was of course but it but it was like i'd have to look it up and i think it is in the kids franchise but it's like 
it's like holy white and something black like oh yeah yeah you know they've they've done they've done everything so not too surprised um the fact that the developer that did it also worked on f-zero is a nice little uh is a nice little overlap that I like. I like the six degrees of separation from Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also notable that they developed uh, Settlers of Catan for the N-Gage. And I'm really just mentioning that because we have to mention the N-Gage as much as we can Absolutely. on this show. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the games themselves, the F-Zero games on the GPA, largely based on the Mode 7 enabled feel of the original F-Zero. So it's got that single background bitmap and skewed and scaled to provide the track just like the snes so maximum velocity the first one uh, it does bring back the boost system but it's not related to the power meter like an f0x basically when you complete a lap you get one boost and then you can use it at any point and you can store a maximum of three boosts um, otherwise it's kind of a fairly standard update to the snes game um, bit of a black sheep so to speak uh, because even though it takes a lot of cues from the SNES game, Maximum Velocity really tried hard to be its own thing. So Captain Falcon, not in this game, all new characters, all new vehicles, um, all new tracks, uh, just with one exception. I think it's Firefield uh, that makes an appearance again in Maximum Velocity. So a few years later, they released GP Legend. And uh, GP Legend... That one, they they brought back the original cast and they added in new characters as well because that one was coinciding with the release of the anime on Japanese TV. So GP Legend introduces Rick Wheeler and Lisa Brilliant and Lucy Liberty. And oh I love these names, man. These names are great. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. Is Lucy Liberty American? I should have looked it up. But I also feel like I don't have to, and the answer is yes. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Whenever she wins a race, she holds up a torch. I was going to say, she holds a stone slab and a torch. <laughs> so, much like with F-Zero GX, uh, there is a story mode in GP Legend, and it consists of missions um, that don't necessarily involve finishing first in the race. So, your mission could be to finish ahead of a certain opponent, or destroy a certain opponent, or help an ally, or what have you. Um, they involve obviously moving forward on a track, but it's not like an actual race. Uh, the boost system from F-Zero X uh, returns, so does the combat for GP Legend. And a GP Legend also includes a what, what they call the Zero Test mode, which almost kind of reminds me of a f more fun way of doing the licenses from Gran Turismo. It's like these mm -hmm. little mini challenges where they take a section of the track and then you have to complete it in X amount of time. Mm. Uh, the The bonus, of course, compared to Gran Turismo is that you don't have to do the zero test mode to access everything in the game. So I thought that was a pretty cool little thing. And uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show in Japan, it was actually one of the few games that supported the GBA e-reader so, you know, it had courses and it had vehicles that were available to download uh, from the actual cards. And uh, this functionality was not brought over uh, to the West for whatever reason. In the West, we just had, I think, Mario 3 and uh, a whole bunch of Pokemon 
stuff, yeah. which is probably why some I never heard of the um, e-reader. Come to think of some it, some of the uh, Nintendo classics on the GBA, I believe, also ha- like I think Excite Bike may have had some. Yes. I don't know if yes. only in Japan or ju- or also in North America. Yeah, Japan just had more of it. I think is what it yeah. is. Yeah. So, as far as the uh, the GBA GBA games though, it finishes up with Climax uh, F Zero Climax. Uh, that's what happens when two F-Zeros get together to create a new baby (laughs) F-Zero. I wonder what the F stands for now. (laughs) (laughs) So Climax uh, released Japan only, uh, not brought over to North America. It's also tied into the anime series. The uh, the story mode is actually removed from Climax, which personally I'm a fan of. Uh, Basically, you just have the option of unlocking snippets from the anime instead uh, during Climax. Uh, the spin attack is re-added in Climax, which is pretty cool. And it has, you know, it has a lot of cool modes. At first, I was like, man, they released this game a year later. Like, how much better could it be? No, they they really did add quite a bit here. Uh, the survival mode, which ordinarily kind of makes me yawn in a game. In this game, the survival mode, it includes things like death races and like slalom challenges and all this other kind of stuff that I thought was really interesting. And uh, most importantly for Climax, it actually has a track editor instead. So much like the N64 version, you can make your own tracks, share them via link cable, and so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, funnily enough, though, with, uh, with Climax, sold pretty poorly in Japan. I think, uh, I think there might have been a problem with oversaturation there because uh, you had GX released in the year before. You had GP Legend released in the year before. And then it's like, oh my goodness, another F-Zero game so soon. Uh, so mm-hmm. it sold very few copies. <laughs> and uh, like we alluded to at the beginning of the show, man, oh man, like it is expensive now. Like, Jeff, was this the one that you were thinking of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I once offered someone £70 for it and uh, they were very wow. polite not to laugh at me. I, <laughs> um, I see it now, like if you want, if you mm. want it boxed, of course, you know, mm. I think it's going to set you back way over $200. Uh, way over. Yeah. Jesus. Um, it's just a game that, as you say, Paul, like, it came a year after the last one. It's a game no one wanted. And and it's like, who's going to buy it? And then they only released it in Japan. And it's like, now today, I don't know who wants to spend that kind of money on an F-Zero game. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's like, if you've got it, oof, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> It's gonna sit Keep on it to me, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <I'll play it. laughs> Merry Christmas, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was interested in it in so far as it was an F Zero game that I hadn't heard of until I started, yeah. you know, doing a little bit more reading. And uh, yeah, man, that that eBay rabbit hole that yeah, was the man. first thing I did. I went onto it and I was like, son of a bitch! Like, yeah. oh well, <laughs> so much for my uh, complete F Zero collection. I would, I mean, I would say so. F Zero, just I know we don't want to spend too much time on the GBA games, but uh, Maximum Velocity was uh, the f- uh, the launch. I think it was a almost a launch title, if not. Launch. It was a launch. Title, it was a yeah, launch. Yeah. It was. And I remember my friend getting it, and it it was one of those games that made you realize you had a SNES in your hands, and it was great for yeah. that. But I never really remember going back to it too often. I got a game called Advanced GTA, which was a basically Gran Turismo on the GBA, which I really loved. 
Wow, um, and that, yes. And that was about getting licenses and car parts and stuff. And and <laughs> like now I think Maximum Velocity is one of the cheapest GBA games you can pick up. So yep, if, sure if you got a GB if you got a way to play GBA carts and you don't have it and you like and you're interested in racing games, then you I think it's worth picking up the first one. It's it's not bad. No, I mean it's an F zero game. There's kind of a base baseline level of quality there, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, anyway, like you said, Jeff, don't want to spend too much time on the GBA stuff. Uh, we'll take a quick break here, and then when we come back, uh, we'll get on to F-Zero GX and uh, the legacy that the series has left behind. Okay, we're back, and we are back now with F-Zero GX, uh, which is the last console game uh, released in the series. The last actual game released in the series was Climax, so mm. kind of aptly titled, I suppose. <laughs> um, but the uh, last one on console is uh, GX or AX in the arcade because they were developed concurrently. So released uh, between July and October, depending on the territory, in 2003, and that was for the GameCube and, like I just said, in the arcade. So it's built on the GameCube-friendly Triforce arcade system. And that arcade system was actually a partnership between Namco, Sega, and Nintendo, hence, of course, Triforce. And uh, within this partnership, Namco and Sega would develop arcade and GameCube games based on Nintendo's intellectual properties. So since the arcade hardware... Uh, the Triforce arcade hardware was basically a, a kind of a glorified GameCube. Uh, ports to the home console were actually very easy. So, like, I don't know. The only the only Triforce arcade game I've ever seen is Mario Kart Arcade. And I was actually even surprised to see that. Um, did you guys, like, have you guys ever seen any of these? I think they did Virtua Striker 4 and uh, some other Japanese games that we never would have seen. Like, have you guys ever seen these? No, outside of the Mario Kart, yeah, I I, I never really noticed these. I definitely never seen F Zero though in the arcade though. No, I I I, I would have seen. I, I remember playing the F Zero one in in uh, in Akihabara. Oh wow! Uh, so I did. Yeah, I did. Around that time, I was probably going to Japan at least once a year. So I I definitely was always hitting up the Sega arcades. So I'm I'm pretty sure I played it, but at the time you don't you don't realize that what you're do what you're playing is something quite, you know, uh, I guess not. I guess you would call it special when you're talking about those three companies all coming together. Yeah. At the time you just go, oh cool, F Zero in the arcade, sweet. You don't think I yeah, I better remember this moment because <laughs> in in 17 years I'm going to be talking about F Zero. You know, I would I would have taken a photo and everything. I know, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, "Oh my god, Jeff, what was it like?" And I'm like, "There's no way you're gonna know that." Like, yeah, you know, you're just yeah, you're just there, you're just doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, funnily enough, though, actually, you can you can play the Mario Kart Arcade uh, GP mode on the Wii. 
Uh, there is a homebrew application available, so you can play the uh, the arcade version on the Wii at home, which I thought was pretty oh, interesting. Wow. I mean, I'm never going to do it myself because yeah. when I see the words homebrew application, <laughs> I can see hours yeah. of my life melting away. <laughs> but for those of you who are enthusiasts and have the patience for that, yeah, it's out there. So uh, F-Zero GX slash AX, uh, developed by Amusement Vision, uh, formerly Sega AM4, uh, responsible for titles like Virtual Racing, uh, Virtual Cop, Sega Rally, House of the Dead. Like, this is just a murderer's row of hits here. Mm, yeah. And uh, then, of course, uh, Super Monkey Ball. And then they reformed and worked on the Yakuza series. Wow. So we've definitely, uh, I know, right? This is like an all-star team. Yeah, that, uh, seems like a, that seems like a straight line trajectory from like virtual racing to yakuza <laughs> <laughs> via sense. via super monkey ball <laughs> yeah exactly i know right <laughs> with a little detour to house of the dead in the middle right there yeah yes wow uh f- the first game f-zero gx uh jointly developed by sega and nintendo uh kind of a landmark really it's even when i just boot it up and the first screen is Sega and Nintendo on the screen. It's kind of cool, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like for those of us who grew up during the 16-bit era and, you know, these hated rivals and, and all that. And then, oh, now they're friends. Yeah. It's always nice to see to see that happen, especially it's I guess I guess what it's nice that it's a good game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if yes. it wasn't, it'd be it'd be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would like, be. Yeah. We'd be like, this was a mistake. I knew it all along. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, F-Zero GX directed by Hiroyuki Sakamoto. Uh, He would later become director for some of our most beloved Yakuza games, uh, Yakuza 6 and Kiwami 2. And uh, he was also the lead designer for Binary Domain, which is a game that we've mentioned a couple times on the show before. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then you have Takuya Imamura. He was the producer for the game. So not just the artist anymore. He's uh, now in charge of uh of supervising the production so basically amusement vision would work on the game and then they would report to imamura and shigeru miyamoto so imamura not just drawing anymore yeah Uh, interesting to note on this game it's actually it's neither a console port to the arcade and it's also not like an arcade port to console uh gx it's actually a game that's jointly developed and it's jointly developed to be playable on both the arcade and the GameCube systems. So the idea behind it was to develop this game and make it compatible with the GameCube memory card so that people could take the GameCube memory card home with, you know, parts that they earned in the arcade game, modify their car with those parts, and then take that car and play the car that they made at home in the arcade. Now, in reality, I don't know how successful that was. My guess is that it probably wasn't that successful um, because you have to have a pretty big install base for the home system, which the GameCube didn't have. And yeah. uh, I mean, I've never seen an F-Zero AX arcade game. I know Jeff saw one, but I mean, that's I in have. Japan's. Oh, you have? I play, I, yes, I played one at uh, MAGFest, I believe. they Somebody had brought their own... Uh, F Zero AX machine. Oh so my god! With the tilting seat so cool. and the wow, and yeah, oh, it was amazing. I played <laughs> it a bunch. I was like, 
I was, I mean, I was terrible at it. Like I'm terrible at every F zero game, course. but I was like, this is just cool to like sit in and play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was going to say, we've talked a lot about different racing games and I just want to throw another one here because when I, when I saw this, cause I did not know, even when I played it, I didn't know there was like a slot for your GameCube memory card. I miss that, man. I miss like stupid little gimmicks like that in arcade games. Like I remember yeah. in high school, my friends would like, or people I knew would go play initial D um, the arcade game and that you would have like a little card that you put in and take out and bring home. And I was like, I just, I, I don't know. Stuff like that makes me smile. Like it's, it's so unnecessary, but so fun. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I couldn't agree more. And man, especially with, especially with initial D, like I've got such a, <laughs> I've got such a hankering right now to play initial D. I've got to, I've got to go do it. I picked it up when I was in Japan for the PlayStation three. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's a whole other digression and perhaps a conversation not for the F-Zero episode. <laughs> <laughs> so with, uh, with F-Zero GX, uh, just from reading interviews, it, it actually appears that they, kind of, that they kind of realized that F-Zero wouldn't ever really be a game that could compete financially sales-wise with like the Marios and the Zeldas. Um, but F-Zero does have a very hardcore fan base that loved the game. And so yeah. with GX, they kind of wanted to they really wanted to like focus on that speed and the F zero experience in order to kind of appeal to the, to the hardcore fans, which mm-hmm. I mean, I think they were successful with personally, even if the game might be a little bit on the difficult side. Yeah. I think F zero has a nice like design philosophy behind it, which is with every new game. It seems they're just like, let's just make it faster. Let's just put more more of the fast thing, like put it in there and make yeah. it go faster. And yeah. I like that. You know, it's like, don't reinvent the wheel. Just just like make it do crazier stuff until we break <laughs> it, I guess. <laughs> and they and I will say they came pretty close to breaking it in GX. And, and we'll get to <laughs> yeah. that in a second. Um, as far as the game is concerned, uh, funnily enough, like they weren't really focused on bringing any kind of new gameplay elements. I think F-Zero X kind of, I don't want to say perfected it, but mm-hmm. there's just not a lot you can add after F-Zero X. So mainly what they focused on was the customization aspects, uh, the story mode, and just the overall presentation, graphically, sound, and so on. Um, the customizations are really, really deep in this game. Mm-hmm. The uh, The story mode, I mean, the interviews are... <laughs> the best the interviews are the interviews are hilarious like i'm i'm playing it last night and obviously i picked captain falcon and so when you finish a grand prix you know there's a guy on the f-zero news station and he's interviewing captain falcon and you can select which question uh there's three questions you can select for captain falcon you select one and then he answers it and then you know ostensibly you'd complete the grand prix mode again to ask the next question And so the question I asked was, Captain Falcon, your rivals are howling for revenge. What do you have to say to them? And Captain Falcon's answer was, come on then. And then the interviewer was like, thanks for the interview, Captain Falcon. (laughs) That's that Michael Jordan 97, 98. I know. The the, the questions, they're they're so fun to just like mess around with. Like, it's like real simple shit too. It's like, you know, hey, Captain Falcon, what do you think the key was to winning? Coming in first place. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Another funny little thing I, I found here, the racer Deathborn in the game, he pilots a vehicle called the Dark Schneider. <laughs> and I don't know, Jeff, like when you see Dark Schneider, do you get the reference? No, it's no. <laughs> not Honestly. at all. It's from the old manga and then made uh, anime called Bastard. Uh, Dark Schneider is like the main, I think the main antagonist. Ah. Gosh, it's been so long since I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. And uh, in Bastard, the references in that manga, it's all like heavy metal bands and stuff yeah. like that. Um, the land that they're in is called Metallicana, <laughs> which like only only in Japan, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, Dark Schneider in itself is a reference to D. Schneider, uh, the front man for Twisted Sister. Man, this can only happen in Japan. It really can. Yeah, where you have F-Zero basing a vehicle on, you know a frontman for a hair metal band really is what it comes down to. <laughs> I think it's I think it's partially this whole thing that when you become successful enough to make those kinds of decisions anywhere but Japan, there's always I think this fear of not being taken seriously and so yeah. you're like, well, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Like that is childish and I've forgotten about it. And in Japan it's like I've been waiting 30 years for this <laughs> one moment. <laughs> And now I'm going to do all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the game itself, again, just from playing it recently, it still looks great. It really does. Like the fact that mm -hmm. it's standard def hurts it a little bit. But man, I can play this game and not really kind of have that feeling that you get when playing a lot of like even PS2 games. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, still looks fantastic. And uh, one thing I actually didn't really get into, and I started exploring it last night a little bit, because back then, you know, you just play the game, you play the game, and the customization wasn't really my bag. But <laughs> I didn't know if you guys knew this, but you can draw, like, by hand, pixel by pixel emblems. Oh. And they're kind of like stickers that you put on your hover car. So immediately I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to draw a cartoon penis. <laughs> and, and put it on my hover car like that was like the first thing i thought of like when you guys when you guys are going over the outline what did what did you think like anthony what are you going to draw on your emblem man i'm a terrible artist so i'm so glad i never came across this this would have been bad <laughs> um i was gonna draw an emblem that's funny um uh it's gotta be the logo for twisted sister i mean that's the only way to go with this right <laughs> it just that's it <laughs> oh man what about uh oh. jeff arnie you guys have anything interesting that you think of i i have one but it's gonna be the worst thing to describe on a podcast but i think everybody knows what i'm talking about if you've ever like been in high school that like s symbol that everybody always drew in like the late 90s early 2000s do you know what i'm talking about i have no, no idea what you're talking about you have no idea what i'm talking about like google if you google s symbol it's just like you draw three lines and then three lines under that and then you draw a triangle and some lines to make it like a block s essentially <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome because it's not it's not that often from talking to arnie that i realize just how oh, yeah, old i yeah, am yeah. but uh yeah this this Here is one of those moments thanks dude just give me one second. Oh, I got it. I just <laughs> never seen that. I just pulled it up. Yep, that's it. <laughs> this thing. Yeah, no, not uh, not something that I would have been aware no. of. Hopefully, the the audience knows what I'm talking about. 
I think I probably probably for me I remember when Jet Set Radio was like you can put your own art on I was like oh yeah man I'm an artist I could definitely oh, put yeah. some sort of graffiti art going in and after two minutes realising I ain't no artist there's no way I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna download a photo from of my football team's badge and <laughs> make that there you go and that's exactly what I would have done hey. with this I think it would have been an Arsenal emblem done I'm going to say that's better than the cartoon penis, personally. But. <laughs> <laughs> is it, though? So, is it really? so F-Zero uh, GX. Uh, I would say the largest criticism of this game actually is for its difficulty. Um, it has a very arcadey feel, owing probably to Sega's development. A lot of the tracks are very easy to fall off of. And uh, it's, it's kind of ironic, because in reading interviews here, this actually, in a way, runs contrary to Sega's vision for the game, which was to make a game that was accessible to everyone. Because at that time, you know, Gran Turismo had swept through and changed everything. And yeah. racing games were were more starting to cater to the adult kind of gearheads. Um, so it's kind of weird that they're making this accessible game, but still really, really hard. Have any of you guys have any of you guys played this recently? I gotta ask. No. Hmm. Oh yeah, Anthony. No, not recently. No, I'm actually a little bit surprised because I know you guys were playing the the original F Zero uh, last night. I thought maybe one of you might have been able to pick up GX as well. I did, like I mentioned, uh, play GX quite a bit, and I have to admit, it's hard, man. Like yeah. you, you, <laughs> you fall off the track depending on the track. I think the reason I remember it not being quite as difficult as it is is because I played on a lot of tracks where you don't fall off very much, but. Yeah there is a version of Mute City. It's uh, Mute City... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it Mute City 2. And it has a lot of jumps. And oh my god, like, you have to practice the track. Like, there's just no way. A lot of the other tracks, I can just kind of, like, jump in and finish, you know, between 5th place and 1st place pretty easily. Yeah. Even on... I only ever play on normal level. I didn't play on novice. And then as soon as I got to Mute City 2, I was just falling off constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is ridiculous yeah, that is a, a thing about it that i do like though that when you when you because i was looking up videos of it and obviously everybody on youtube is like a pro gamer <laughs> um sure. so when you see someone like nail that like jump off the track land on another piece of the track like that's a sight to behold like that is really like brain breaking for me because i'm sort of like if you fall off the track like it's over you're done you fucked up but in here yeah. it's like oh no like this is the way to play this game yeah, absolutely. And, you know, once once you practice the track and it gets used to it, here's here's what I'll say about it. The difficulty, I understand, can be off-putting and, and mm. fair enough. But, like, playing F-Zero GX the past couple days, I cannot remember the last time I played a game where my hands sweat <laughs> as much as they did. <laughs> because it is a nail-biter, an absolute nail-biter. And especially on that Mute City 2 track or any other two or any other track where you do a lot of jumps and you can fall off easily, like you've, you know, you've completed a couple laps, you have to complete one more, you've done those two laps perfectly, and you're trying to negotiate your way into a top spot and you're trying not to fall. Dude, it is tense. Absolutely <laughs> tense. And there is no other game that I've played in in recent history that accomplishes what that game just did. I thought it was awesome. So, you know, if you if you're off put by the difficulty, I get it. But, you know, it's it's not a baby game. It's not a baby game for for baby gamers. <laughs> yeah. You have to you have to show you mean, up. You mean I, it's not I, like Pokemon? 
<laughs> hey, I used to I used to play this game a lot multiplayer, and that's yeah a, a, a big just of how I used to play the game was was just multiplayer, and it was crazy. Like everybody in the room was like would just lose their minds, like because it was going so fast. But after a few second, a few minutes of you just kind of focusing, you kind of get a grasp on what's happening in front of you. But like yeah, it, and it was fun. It was fun playing with like a bunch of people, but like. It was crazy, though. The speed of this game was just intense. Oh, my God. Yeah. And multiplayer. Look, I mean, we can say this about pretty much every game ever made. The multiplayer mm-hmm. was amazing, right? Like, that was yeah. kind of the way to do it. And it still is. I played GX as recently as, I think, about a year and a half ago with some friends. And we were at it for an hour. And it was, man, it was great fun. Mm. So, don't really need to spend too much more time on GX here. Wrapping it up then with F-Zero, the legacy that it's kind of left behind here. Now, even though we haven't seen a new F-Zero game since 2003, it doesn't mean that the game, or sorry, 2004 with Climax rather, it doesn't mean that the series isn't on the radar anymore. We do have imitators. Um, I think the most recent ones that look you know, a lot like it, uh, Fast RMX on the Switch, uh, Redout, um, on PC, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch. Um, I don't think either of those is F-Zero, but man, I haven't tried them, but they both look pretty cool. And uh, it looks like that's going to be all we get too. Um, mm-hmm. Just from reading interviews again, Miyamoto has expressed reluctance to outsource production of Nintendo's IPs to third-party developers anymore, which you know makes sense, right? Like you have, yeah. you have like the F-Zero games on the GBA, even GX to an extent, it was, you know, kind of more of a Sega game than a Nintendo game, just in feel. Um, so I'm not too surprised that they don't want to be licensing out their IPs anymore. It's really the most valuable part of their business. Yeah. And um, somebody asked Miyamoto, uh, a French um, magazine asked Miyamoto back in 2012, you know, hey, when are we going to see a new F-Zero game? We love that game. And Miyamoto was like, what? People like F-Zero? Why? <laughs> so, uh, you know, between that and the fact that they're, they're on record pretty much saying that GX is like kind of the logical conclusion uh, for the yeah. series. Like they don't really know what else to do with it. I guess, but, I mean, you can just update yeah, the graphics I mean, and blah, blah, blah. You could just blah, follow blah, what but... they do for Wipeout. Just give us more of the same with, yeah. with current graphics. And capabilities like I don't yeah. online gaming like I don't see I don't you know obviously I'm not a developer but that to me would would possibly make them some good money I mean we see it all the time as soon as Nintendo releases its own IP like if you look what Animal Crossing is doing everyone's picking it up oh boy everyone and I'm sure yeah. everyone won't pick up yeah. F-Zero but I, I still think you know see the amount of people who've been talking about Streets of Rage 4 I'm sure just as many people are going to be interested in the new F Zero. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I agree. Even even if it's just like a remaster yeah. of GX, yeah. exactly. I would love that with online play. Yeah. I think you could easily. Um, I say easily. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I think you could. You could conceivably put F Zero X and GX on a Switch cart and be like F Zero Collection. Here you go. Have yeah. a ball. Like, yeah. Get away from me for a little bit. Um, but i think that i think that f-zero exists solely to make metroid fans not feel bad about their own 
series, like their own release schedule woes. <laughs> and in that sense, I think they're doing a great job. Well, good job, Nintendo. That's uh, <laughs> that is something. But if they wanted, like, if they wanted to come out with another, like, a sequel of some sorts, I say they go the reverse direction. I say they make it slower. That would blow everybody's mind right there. Don't make it faster. <laughs> just make it slower. I'm just looking at you right now, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do with you. Make it, make it slower. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think it'll return, though? Like, I don't know. Anthony, what do you think? I, I mean, I, you know, I would love for it to return, but I don't... I mean, if they're saying it's not going to come back and they're saying they're not really seeing a reason to bring it back, I don't think we're going to see it. Nintendo's pretty good like that. Like, if they say they're not going to bring something back, they just they just sit on it. I could see it coming back at some point. Nintendo's not the kind of company that I think would go that easy route because I could definitely see some some other big time developer just like you know f-zero vr here you go you know like in a year or two um but i think that i think the switch gives them a reason to to bring it back because i think people like a game like f-zero i think would be a hit portably like if i could carry around a racing game like that that i could just pop up when i'm in the bus on the subway do a few laps and be like okay i had a good time like put it back in the case for now i could never play that game on the subway because yeah. I would, I would be the guy like losing. Oh my god! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Jeff, your yeah, thoughts? Come back for me. Uh, I. It's really hard to get into the mind of Nintendo, isn't it? Like you, we, you really don't. It know really is. What? Like for the life of me, I don't get why Animal Crossing is as popular as it is. But they've struck gold. <laughs> they struck gold, and yeah. they are going to rinse and repeat. Until the, until the cows come home, you know, and that's just something that, and we yeah. we kind of lambast Konami for it for like prioritizing being profitable over prioritizing giving us what we want, and Nintendo aren't, haven't been afraid mm. to kind of go right. Splatoon now makes more money than this series, so this so Splatoon is where we focus. But in ten years' time, it might all turn around and reverse, and they'll go right. It's been, and I don't want to scare anyone here, it's been 50 years since F-Zero. Maybe we should do something. <laughs> Could you imagine the 50th anniversary? Jeez. Well, the 20th anniversary is coming up soon, yeah. isn't it, for GX? Exactly. That's crazy. Crazier things have happened. Exactly. But I, mean, I was talking about that, you know, the Star Wars pod racer has been remastered. You know, I don't mm -hmm. see why, apart from obviously Nintendo are very careful who they give their... Uh, um, intelligent uh, uh, rights to to kind of develop for. I, mm. I I do feel like like you like you guys are saying there there could be someone out there who can take it off their hands and go. Don't worry, we'll we'll look after it and take care of it. We'll kind of suck, you know we'll, we'll we'll take on the cost of development um, because we think there's enough of install base. So you never know. You never yeah. know. Um, I would say no though. I'd say we're done. Yeah, I would. I would say we're done too. Just boy, oh boy, the the feeling I get from from what I've read and just kind of the overall lack of any kind of buzz mm -hmm. aside from, you know, us doing an episode on <laughs> F-Zero. It, uh, it seems like it's, it seems like it's dead, but you know, but what a ride, we'll always have GX. Yeah. 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 We'll always have the memories. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll always have the first six modes. Yeah. Yes, we'll always have the first six modes that have nothing to do with F-Zero. 
<laughs> all right guys that uh, that pretty much wraps it up for today again everybody thanks for listening uh, if you want to find us you can find us at regionfreegamers.com and if you want to come chat with us we're always happy to hear from you if you have any ideas for the show or just general comments uh instagram at region free gamers podcast uh, we're also on twitter where because of the character limit we are at region free gamer and uh if you're going old school with email region free gamers at gmail.com i guess that's it guys thanks very much for listening thanks for uh thanks for joining me Peace. thank you very much you abstract uglies